You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist. Welcome to episode number 208 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. First things first. Hello, Barry. Thanks for becoming a patron. I really appreciate that. Now, as we all know, it's a new year. And if that means anything or not, I do not know. But let's pretend it means something. Let's say that this year is going to be the seed of new beginnings. Of a sort of paradigm shift. Not only for the world, but for you, for me and for the podcast. Let's include everything in this paradigm shift. Now, before we get ahead of ourselves, uh, let's focus on the main event in this episode, which is astrologer René Sills. René has been practicing as an astrologer since 2012, offering her clients chart interpretations that include individualized yoga, meditation and self-care regimes. She posts free bi-monthly horoscope columns, podcasts and guided meditations, which focus on how astrology manifests in our everyday experiences and through our bodies. And for the pleasure of you, the listener, she will also look at the chart for 2019, so we all can prepare for what is to come. After my talk with Renee Sills, the episode will continue, so please stick around. But first, here's Renee. So thanks for being on the podcast. You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. So could you tell the listeners a bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. My name is Renee Sills. I'm an artist and an educator, and I'm also an astrologer. And I host a twice-monthly podcast called Embodied Astrology, where I talk about the charts for the full moon and the new moon as ways to talk about cultural movements and individual awakening and sacredness, um, which is the word I'd use for spirituality. Um, and then along with those podcasts, I offer twice monthly guided somatic meditations. So I work to help people wake up to their bodies and the way that their bodies, minds and hearts and spirits and cultures integrate. Um, and then I also put out twice monthly audio horoscopes for all 12 signs. So I'm kind of working with helping people um, wake up in as many ways as, as possible in the ways that make sense to me. It's famous that during the full moon, uh, things happen in society. It's well known in law enforcement and people go uh, crazy sometimes, depending on how sensitive you are. But what about the new moon? Is that the opposite? Is that like society becomes calm or does that have a, a history? Because you don't hear about that as much. Right, yeah. Well, first of all, I I might actually even dispute the first thing that you said. I do think that there is um, definitely 
there are a lot of things that happen at the full moon and it is a heightening of energy, but I don't think it's more powerful necessarily than the new moon or the quarter moons. They all have different kinds of intensity. And I think that, um, you know, one of the things I work with in astrology is just questioning what uh, knowledge is. And when it comes to research like that, there hasn't been any conclusive evidence to back that up. But it is something that people look for if they, um, they'll find it if they look for it, if that makes sense. So there are definitely a lot of things that can happen around the lunar cycles. And the word lunar is um, like one thing that you often hear is that it's the same root word as lunatic. Um, so Luna is the name for the moon and the moon governs, um, governs emotions um, in the astrological language. So when the moon is at what's called hard angles, and these are tense or stressful angles, and they include the opposition with the sun, which is the full moon, as well as the conjunction with the sun, which is the new moon, and the 90 degree squares with the sun, which um, are the cross-quarter moons. I always know when there's a full moon because I always suffer when I can't sleep or I, I'm noticing I'm awake at 5 a.m. in the morning and I look out, there's always a full moon or close to a full moon so uh, i don't know if that's a common thing you know what i think it is i also have a lot of trouble sleeping at the full moon and it makes sense you know it's brighter at night and our pineal glands are more stimulated um i know that the animal kingdom is also more awake like if you pay attention to the noises that um insects and animals are making outside they tend to be louder at the full moon also so in astrology in the West, do you, do astrologers ever incorporate the Eastern astrology? Like, for instance, uh, 2019 will be the year of the pig. Uh -huh. um, I think that's a really great question because it's basically acknowledging that there are a lot of different kinds of astrology. And um, I definitely know some astrologers who are really adept at more than one style. But for the most part, I think that, you know, any of the astrology systems are going to be really complex because they have to do with mathematics and observational science or tracking. So to really get good at one system, I think you need to be obsessed with it. Um, I think astrologers can reference other, uh, for other systems, but, um, you know, I don't know if anyone's really using it in depth, it's because hopefully because they've really studied it in depth. Um, like for example, I, I believe that the Chinese um, lunar calendar is based on Jupiter cycles as well as moon cycles. And this is totally different than the Western um, system, which is uh, a solar cycle, if that makes sense. But could you take like a Chinese astrologer and make that person do a chart of somebody and then you take a Western astrologer, do a chart of somebody and you compare and shouldn't the one who is the most like accurate be the system that maybe is the best one? Yeah. Um, you definitely can do that. And my experience getting readings in different systems is that they're all correct. Like they all get at different truths. And I think that, the idea that there's one better system or one perfect system is something that is like pretty problematic um, in general, like whether it's about, you know, 
astrology or religion or um, cooking or, you know, it's like when you think you have the right system, it's usually a problem. And all of the astrology systems are, are quite ancient. Like they are all indigenous practices, the Chinese practice, the Western practice, the Mayan practice, etc. And I think that a lot of those knowledge streams are actually saying very similar things, but maybe saying it in different ways. So I do think that you can get multiple readings and hear different things in different readings. But what I think it probably comes down to to get a really good reading is your astrologer and if they are a good astrologer, if they've studied deeply and if they're able to really connect to their own intuition. Um, because that's where the systems are often like you will get a lot of the same messages is because astrology is also a tool for divination. And so it is, it's a way that people channel and use their intuition as well as like read a chart. How do you think people should use astrology in their lives? I mean, I have friends who like, Oh, I can't come and see you because Mercury is in retrograde. Is that made us going too far? Um, Yeah, I do. I think that, um, so one astrologer who I love named Andrea Gers says that astrology is a tool for living epically. And I, that's how I think astrology should be used. I think it should be used as, um, a way to frame one perspective of looking at your life, but not to be the only perspective that you use for your life. Um, so, you know, you can look at astrology as ways of understanding, opportunities and challenges that come in to your work, to your relationships, with your identity, with your health, etc. And that is really what astrology does. It tells stories about things like it uses the movements of the stars and the planets and our earth, right? Like to tell stories. And then those stories are things that people respond to in their unconscious and in their intuition and inspiration. And so in that way, it's kind of like, I'd, I'd say it's more um, similar to a religion than it is to a science. Like it is a way to believe in things. But like I said before, definitely not the only way to believe in things. And probably better if you don't. I have an acquaintance that she was giving birth to her child and she was like holding it in a few more hours because she wanted it to be born on a astrological date like after midnight <laughs> somehow I don't know if that has an effect or if it's like already it's already decided even though she's like uh, uh, keeping her legs uh, clamped you know <laughs> well I bet that looking at her kids astrology chart you'd see signifiers for a controlling mother like I, I think that what you're talking about is kind of a human instinct to want to control fate and to think that you can use this bigger force somehow towards your whim and that's definitely not what astrology is you know and it shouldn't be used that way it it ends up being like neurotic and destructive my daughter is born on the same date as uh, uh let me think i always mix them up uh lenin lenin <laughs> Uh, one of the greatest uh, dictators of the world, but you know, probably not born on the same hour or something. And uh, you know, the qualities of any of these, uh, like Hitler, Lenin, can be good if it's in the right upbringing. You know, if they make that turn, that power of uh, 
getting the masses to follow you for something positive, you know, of course. But uh, how it's often when you look at uh, astrological charts, you know, at least when you're a novice, you look at celebrities or historical figures. But how how close could that ever be? Or is is that just like uh, nothing you should take too seriously? Yeah, I that's such a great question. I think it's a question a lot of people have about astrology. And I am maybe the best way to answer that is to say that the philosophical root of astrology is in a branch of philosophy called teleology. And telos is the study of how something becomes itself. And so if you imagine like um, uh, an acorn, right, like it falls from the tree um, in one spot and then another acorn falls in another spot and they have the same... DNA structure, you know, they're, they're meant to be the same thing. And you can think of that as the same chart, like the same makeup, but because they fall in different places and they have different access to resources and they have different experiences of temperature and maybe one falls in a place where there's a lot of other roots and one falls in a place where there's not, you know, there are all these different kinds of conditions that are then going to affect how we grow. And so what um, those conditions are include the culture, you know, the, the time and the place and the dominant kind of mind states or ideologies that are present. Um, they include your body. So if someone is born into a body that is... Um, you know, considered really beautiful as opposed to someone who's born into a body that um, has like different kinds of disfigurations or grows into something that isn't experienced as beautiful. Like that's really going to change how someone expresses themselves and not necessarily for the better or for the worse, but it will be um, an impact. And then you have all of the experiences that you get in your life, you know, like all the things that happen to you. And you can use astrology to explain those things or to tell stories about them, but it's they're not like the fault of astrology, so to speak. Um, so, yeah, I think your question is is really important because someone can have a lot of the same um, or even an identical chart, but their experiences are totally different. You know, and you see that a lot with twins, like people who are born just a few minutes apart from each other on the same day in the same place and they're totally different but then they also have a lot of similarities what percentage would you say the astrological chart has for as an influence like 10% or of your life or ooh yeah that's a really hard question for me to answer um you know again i think i just want to get into the nature of the language of that question. I don't think that the astrological chart determines someone in any way. I think that it is a way to understand a person's basic biases and influences. Um, like astrology can be used kind of like your friend and her baby or like, you know, in um, some places where astrology is used to determine like who someone should marry or something like that. Like it kind of takes away free will. And that's, really counter to what I believe in. And so all of that said, I think that astrology charts are 100% accurate. Like when I read them for people, I see over and over and over again that someone is described 
very specifically, like down to really subtle nuances. Um, you can look into the past, into the future. You can see relationships. Um, I don't think the chart should be used to define someone, but I do think it can be used as a gateway into insight to understanding them um, very deeply, not completely, but very deeply. But it's uh, very common in uh, dating that you, you know, what, what's, what did you study? What's your job? And what sign are you? It's like very common to ask this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, that's popular astrology. Most people don't know past their sun sign. And if you're just looking at astro like that as sun signs, um, it's about as you know specific as you can get dividing 9 billion people into 12 categories, right? Like there, there's 12 signs of the tropical zodiac and 9 billion people on earth. Like we could probably divide ourselves into 12-ish kind of subtypes around solar energy, which is like expression and ego, but that's not the complete story of anyone, like not even close. So you can do that. And, and definitely incompatible sun signs are a challenge in, in relationships, but they're not like they don't make it or break it at all. I, I've always used it as an advantage because I'm a Gemini. So if I ever like do something different than people thought I was going to do, I can just blame on that. Yeah, that's a, that's a great way to use it for sure. So can you look at the chart for for places or for like uh, like for a year? Um, yeah, so there's uh, so there are two different kinds of astrology for places. So one is um, like what kinds of places when they were founded, you know, and so it's maybe the astrology of the place itself, like the United States has a birth chart, the moment of the signing of the constitution. Um, so as an idea of a place like a nation state, you can do a birth chart. Um, and then within someone's personal chart, you can look at, um, an overlay of the, basically the natal chart on top of a globe, um, and see where they have certain astrological influences. And then, um, Yes, it's possible to do a chart for a year or to talk about the astrology for a year. So what do you think uh, is the general theme of, of 2019? Okay, well, let me pull up my chart of 2019 so I can respond to that. Um, so I think that one of the things that astrology most beautifully illustrates is polarity um and polarity exists between all of the signs and this is kind of the basic nature of our experience here on earth and in the etheric realm right like i'm i'm sure this is stuff you talk about on your podcast is just polarity and dualism and what it means to be here in this kind of like binary universe or, or reality structure, not universe, excuse me, but like our experience here on earth. So with the chart of 2019, I'm going to say that th there are a couple of dominant themes that come out and they're going to be expressing themselves um, 
across a spectrum of evolution. So there will be themes like the same theme that's going to play out towards a destructive end as well as towards an evolutionary end. Um, and so the way that the aspects are working is going to depend on people's access to an evolutionary path, you know, like not everyone's on the path of awakening. A lot of people are on the path of destruction. So um, with that said, the chart for the beginning of the year, um, what I would say the, like, the dominant themes are, one of them is like deep, deep um, emotional transformation and the way that that is going to affect our structures, including the planet first, um, but then like economies and governments and war are big ones. Um, and so basically this is a, a world that is looking at its own end right now. You know, like we have a pretty drastic uh, summons from the UN and from the climate talks and the level of brutality on earth right now is astounding um, in terms of wars, you know, ongoing genocide in Yemen and Syria, ongoing forced migration for people across the planet, um, really uh, draconian totalitarian governments, you know, and leaders, um, and the threat of nuclear war. I mean, it's like, there's all of this going on. And then on domestic levels, I know that in the United States and Europe, both, um, there's intensity. I mean, there's just a lot of intensity and people are both at odds with each other deeply and also cracking open, I think in a certain way, like there's a lot of emotional intensity and what comes through in the chart for the beginning of the year is more and more and more awareness of that intensity. And Ideally, what the outcome is, is that we all can experience and then purge um, pain. And that, you know, that's so many things, but it's, uh, it's going to be different for every person. So some people will need to, you know, purge the pain of um, their upbringing, some people, their ancestors, some people, you know, I don't know, something systemic that they're involved with, but it's like, if we're going to move towards the evolutionary path, there needs to be, um, like deep sentiment that gets us there. Like people who are, yeah, connecting on, on that level emotionally with each other and with the planet. Um, so that would be one of the main themes of this year. And along with that, there will be a lot of changing structures. And so this includes and a, a really big factor is going to be economies. So economies starting this year are going through a seven year cycle of upheaval. And this is going to be everywhere. And no economy is 
safe from it. So it's not, you know, it, it's not about like whether or not people are investing in gold or cryptocurrency or, or stocks or anything like that. The general sentiment towards economies is the thing that's in question. Right now, capitalism is not working for most of the planet. And I think a lot of people are getting really fed up with that and wanting to dismantle economies that keep people enslaved. So that would be the evolutionary path um, for that potential. Um, the other thing that's that's quite big for this year is questions of um, reality and truth and faith. Um, so the news media is like uh, a place of, you know, a lot of turbulence right now. Like there's um, uh, all of this question around like what's real and what's not, what what news is fake and what news is valid and um, or authentic. And then there's this uh, ramping up of attacks on the news media. So this recent killing of um, Jamal Khashoggi in Saudi Arabia and what that means, uh, what it means that Donald Trump basically has um, declined to take action on that is, you know, the world superpower of the United States saying it's okay to um, murder journalists. And there's this really um, big push to control the press in the in the Western world right now. And it has already been happening in, um, you know, in certain other places around the world, um, obviously, you know, in terms of of the media being controlled by the ruling parties. So this is going to be also a big theme for this year is is that as an issue and definitely push back against it. And uh, I think a lot of legal kinds of, of, um, emphasis, you know, and this is, uh, on every level, lower courts, higher courts, um, world courts, but really people trying to figure out what, I don't know, like, you know, what they believe in and, um, how to enforce those beliefs and how to spread, uh, th those beliefs around and that information around. Um, so on the evolutionary path, I would say that um, the highest potential for that is some kind of free media that comes out of this and um, like more rights and protections for journalists and a, a exposure of how much of the media is corporate controlled and privately owned. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know if any of those evolutionary paths are going to happen. Um, so on the counter side to that, I would say that, um, you know, the markets and economies, this is big and like a lot of people are going to be affected by this. And there's a lot of, of suffering right now. And I don't, I don't see that that's going to lessen. I do see that a lot of people are getting empowered by it. Like they're coming together more. Um, and, uh, addiction is, is a really hard one right now. I don't know how it is in Europe. It's, it's really hard in the U S a lot of people are, um, dying from, uh, prescription drugs. And so addiction is a, is a big thing. And I think on a global level, our addiction to like, um, you know, fossil fuels and capitalism, constant growth is a, is a real big problem. So, um, yeah, those are, those are the main themes that I'm seeing, 
um, for 2019. When you do a chart for a person, you can say like the Mars is in the house in the 12th house or like that. But when you do for a whole year, then I guess you can't do that because every year the planet should be in the same place as it goes around or may not is that wrong um well if i was going to read a locational chart for people in portland uh where i live i would i would read the chart for here you know on the moment that the new year starts but if i was reading wherever you are like i i would read the chart for when this year starts there so it's going to be at different times um And I don't know if that's going to make a huge amount of difference, but I think it would make a difference for sure. I mean, the the mind of a of a place is a thing, you know. Like here in Portland, we think differently than other places around the world, and so there's a different kind of um, communal identity here, a collective identity. But that said, um, the chart that I was just looking at has no birth time, and so there are no houses. I'm just looking at the um the planets in their respective signs and how they're talking to each other so like i mentioned earlier they have the chinese year of the pig but in like western style astrology do they like call a year like the year of gemini or something or or they, they, there's no tradition like that mm. um not as far as i know uh, i think a lot of astrologers give years their own names like I would give this year a very different name than I would give last year, but that's subjective fully. Um, like I said before, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure about this. I do. I think that the Chinese um, years like they're that what that they're referring to Jupiter cycles and Jupiter has a 12 year cycle. And so the um, Chinese calendar, you know, has runs in 12 year cycles. So if that's what it is referring to, then um, we could talk about Jupiter and Sagittarius uh, in the, in the Western sky. And I don't think that's the same in the Eastern sky. You know, they have their own names for the constellations. They have their own stories about them. So To be specific, I actually think it's the year of the Earth pig because they do the element as well. That's great. Yeah, it's my um, it's my return. I don't know what I don't know what the word is, but I was also born on the year of the Earth pig, and I'll be 36 this year. So it's my three times through. So if people want to get in contact with you or check out uh, your work, where can they do that? Embodiedastrology.com. And uh, also on Instagram as Embodied Astrology and on Facebook as Embodied Astrology. I have a Twitter account. I don't really use it, but I think that it, there's an auto post um, with the newsletters. But Instagram for sure, I post a lot and um, Facebook as well. And then the website. Great. So it, it was very nice to talk to you. And uh, um, I hope uh, it will be a good year because uh, as we know like in alchemy in the burning ashes you know the phoenix rises i hope so too thanks for inviting me onto your show check out embodiedastrology.com
systems have been hijacked by a generation of thieves. While you're working harder and harder for less and less, the game is being rigged against you. They're turning all of us into virtual slaves. Looters, at the heart of our financial system, are price-fixing our most precious resources. Food, water, energy, gold, even the value of money itself is being siphoned away by high-level crooks in a giant mushrooming conspiracy of unstoppable corruption. They're robbing billions of people of trillions of dollars a year, folks. There is no need for austerity measures. There is no need for financial suffering. No need for poverty. There is no scarcity. We are simply the victims of a robbery of unimaginable proportions. We have been fed a lie so vast it oppresses all of humanity. The truth is, there is more than enough to go around. 60 years ago, productivity was increasing so fast, they predicted by today, entire families could live comfortably on the income of just one provider, working only 10 hours a week. They wondered what we'd do with all of our spare time. What happened to that dream? Turns out they were right. What took a full work week back then can be done in just 10 hours today. We have technologies that multiply our efforts a thousandfold and connect us in ways they never imagined. We are now a hundred times richer than in that great heyday of the 50s. We are heirs to a great bounty of prosperity, 70 trillion in the U.S. alone, over $200,000 for every man, woman, and child. The only reason we don't experience this wealth is because it's being siphoned away by a corrupt criminal class. They loot through giant corporations, raising prices, lowering wages, stealing the fruits of our productivity. Where once whole families prospered with just one provider, now both parents work, delivering eight times the productivity but struggling to make ends meet. They control the media using hot button social issues to divide us, brother against brother. No, while you were sitting on the bar stool, then you were working out. It's not like I have to go around. No, 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 we didn't say you have to go around and do that. We didn't have to, but when I asked you, when I asked you, we asked you, I didn't say that you demanded money. We asked you to work out. And then you could have then came and said, actually, no, I'm sorry, but I have to the Archbishop of Oklahoma City was outraged. The media outraged. The media outraged. 
The media outraged. Oh my God. Lift me up out of this illusion, Lord. Heal my perception that I may know only reality and only you. Brother, so we fight each other while they loot our sacred institutions. They make us fear too big to fail banks collapsing. But if they did, we'd suddenly recover the eight times our income that's being siphoned away every single day. Don't give yourselves to these crooks who abuse you and enslave you, who steal your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, and what to feel. Let us burn these leeches off our backs. are the creators, and when we come together, we have the power to create whatever future we want. The bigger chunk of what you just heard was a collaborative effort of Tragedy and Hope and Gary John Laporta of the viral sensation The Wayseer's Manifesto. I think it's funny that we are so outraged. Not me particularly. I'm not really outraged. Uh, I'm talking about the general mass of society. But are we? I'm not so sure. Maybe it is a very vocal minority that makes it seem that people are outraged over so many different things. In any case, are we outraged about the things we really should be outraged about? There's a war on consciousness in our society and if we as adults are not allowed to make sovereign decisions about what to experience with our own consciousness while doing no harm to others, including the decision to use responsibly ancient and sacred visionary plants, then we cannot claim to be free in any way. And it's useless for our society to go around the world imposing our form of democracy on others while we nourish this rot at the heart of society and we do not allow individual freedom over consciousness. It may even be that we're denying ourselves the next vital step in our own evolution by allowing this state of affairs to continue and who knows, perhaps our immortal destiny as well. Okay, so we've covered the macrocosm in terms of paradigm shift. Concerning the microcosm, this podcast, there will be, as always, a few changes for this sixth year of the podcast. 
we are going to take it to the next level, whether you like it or not. I always start every year of the podcast talking about the plans for the podcast for the coming year. But even that will change. You are just going to have to find out as we proceed. All I hope is that you continue to listen and grow with me. One thing I can say though is that I'm thinking of doing less episodes with guests. Not sure that will be appreciated or not. However, that is the path I want to take. And I want to continue with the vibe I've put out till now. And, of course, expand on it further. And, well, whatever that means, what I just said, you're just going to have to wait and find out. Because I might not even know myself. Because I want to keep this year open, free and fluid. If you want to support the podcast, please become a patron. Go to patreon.com forward slash naturalbornalchemist. You can also uh, donate to the podcast. Just go to naturalbornalchemist.com and go to the donate page and you can find a little PayPal link there. I really appreciate everybody who donates and support the podcast because... Everything's for free these days, especially online. But it's not really for free because you are always bombarded with advertising, with adverts. Something is being sold. And you are free of that in this podcast. So keep that in mind because this podcast is is actually free. And if you really like it, Why don't you go to Patreon and donate one or two dollars a month? It won't break the bank. And uh, in a year it amounts to like 12, 24 dollars. I'm sure you can afford it. And I really appreciate it. There's also some merchandise you can check out if you want to do that. And I've also heard the grapevine that these podcast apps on different devices that they haven't updated this podcast for some strange re- reason i don't know how to solve this i've uh, i've contacted the people in charge and i haven't got a reply yet so try and update it i don't know delete it and download the app again and add the natural alchemist podcast uh, i don't know what you could do but if you are one of the people who don't get the podcast automatically when it is released every Sunday on your app, then um, please try and uh, figure out how to solve that uh, so you don't miss an episode. Regardless, it's always available on naturalalchemist.com. Okay, now let's totally change the subject. Ginga Nagareboshi Gin, or as it's known in the West... Silver Fang was an adventure manga by Yoshiro Takahashi from 1983 to 1987. Ginga Nagare Boshigin was adapted as a 21-episode anime television series by Toei Animation. In Western countries, the anime was released as a set of four VHS tapes known as Silver Fang. I have these four tapes and I have watched... 
this series like an addict when I was a child. It was a truly awesome series. And it tells the story of an Akita Inu pup called Jin, who leaves his master, a young boy named Daisuke, to join a pack of wild dogs. This little uh, part of the score, just listen to it. You know, you can sense how actually how emotional this series is. Check it out. Yeah, so this Akita dog, uh, this pup called Jin or Silver Fang, I guess, in, in the West, uh, joins a pack of wild dogs. And, and, and the pack are gathering strong dogs from all over Japan to fight a deranged bear named Akakabutu and this bear's minions. The story begins from the point of view of the humans, but swings to the dogs with episode 7 of the anime. And it is in that episode that the audience hears the dogs communicate with each other through speech, though it continues to be barks and whines to human ears. Now what I love about the series is that it's not afraid to tackle death or death of loved ones. And the music is awesome. And when you're like 7-8 years old and you're watching such a mature, intense, emotional, action-packed adventure, it will follow you into adulthood and always have a special place in your heart. The music is awesome. Listening to it reminds me of my childhood. And some of the songs are very haunting, I think. And I want to close this episode with the main track and begin this new year with Nagareboshigin by Goro Uumi. And once again, because I've talked about Japanese anime before, once again, sorry Japan, any Japanese people listening, for butchering your language. So yeah, let's close with... uh, the music from Silverfang. And I'm not sure what happens next week. I don't even want to know what happens next week. I want to be as surprised as you are. But whatever it is, I will see you there. Freedom is in the mind. i
You say that. 